Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight series. This is the show where we choose a genre every month and then we review some of the best movies in that genre. So it is a new month. You know what that means? New, new topic. What are we doing this month, Otis? We are picking a, a specific actor or actress, but this month we're doing an actor. And uh, we toss out a couple of names and some of them might pop up later, but this month we are doing Eddie Murphy movies. So I am very pumped. We were going through the list of like the set list of movies. And I was like, damn, I haven't seen that in a long time. I haven't seen that in a long time. So it's uh it's a good feel. It's a good feel. So the movie we are doing tonight is the 1984 American Buddy Cop action comedy film, Beverly Hills Cop. And I it's funny. I think about this trilogy that is going to have a fourth movie. It's in production right now. Oh, shit. Mr. Murphy is coming back to do another one. But with this trilogy, I actually watched the second one way more than the first one. So watching this one, I was excited. And because I, I just, you know, it, it was good to catch up to this and, and check it out. So I was really pumped. So if you don't know anything about Eddie Murphy, he's absolutely amazing. He started as a, well, a stand-up comedian. I believe he did first. Uh, Richard Pryor is one of his favorite, favorite comedians of all time. Uh, I want to say, is it, which movie was it, Greg? It's the one where he's wearing the red that they have. You mean a stand-up special? Yeah. That's Still Eddie there. Murphy's Raw. No, Delirious is red. Raw was purple. Okay. It's, oh, was red. it's one of them. And there's a skit of little him doing this very nasty joke. And I think it's a Richard Pryor joke. And like, I think his uncle is like Samuel Jackson in it. And he's I like, I think that was, I think that was prior to the, to raw. Okay. It might've been another one. Yeah. I know I'm saying, I think that was, that was raw that it was on. Like it was prior to, you know, him actually starting his stand-up yeah that was that was raw yeah but yeah he's just been funny since he was a wee little child so in the early 1980s eddie murphy he started as a cast member on saturday night live and it's funny the first couple of years well the first year everyone loves it and there were some really funny people but then it it's weird we we see it now and it's just a it's a show that just stays on because they are constantly rotating people out but back in the day after like the second season folks were like well that was a fun show but i i'm i'm kind of done with it and so there was a moment where saturday night live could have ended and eddie murphy was part of that i don't even know technically what wave you would call him but he was part of that wave that actually got it big again and it was a period where lorne michaels was gone yes and so Eddie Murphy came in and he uh, one character, like one of the first ones he came up with was a, an adult version of Buckwheat from the Little Rascals. And there was this whole sketch where he gets shot and the whole episode. They're trying to figure out who shot Buckwheat. And it was hilarious. Uh, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. So he's like Mr. Rogers. Uh, Gumby. Damn it. And he would just yell at people. There was tons of old characters that he did. There was one story where Eddie said that they had an extra like 10 minutes and they were out of sketches or they didn't have something ready. And then 
Lauren just had him go out there and just make up something because he was that good. And Eddie Murphy, he stayed with the show for a, a pretty... I'm trying to remember how long he was there because after like a few years, he started doing movies and he started with 48 Hours. That was the first movie he did. A buddy cop movie with Nick Nolte. Crazy old Nick Nolte. And after that, he did Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and then Coming to America. And then in 1990, oh, 1984, he did Beverly Hills Cop. So Coming to America was after Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, uh, I said some movies in order and I thought of a, a big one. Oh, okay. But this one, this is, it's funny. Eddie Murphy was pretty good at movies at this point. He was in from solid comedies. But this one, I want to say this one, he blew up because this movie was just absurd. Absurd to the point where the higher up saw it in just a screening and they instantly said they want a second one. Like the movie didn't even come out yet, and they were like, "That's fucking good." Yeah, you can run that shit back and give us the second one right now. And so the second one came out. I want to say two or three years later, and then they waited seven years until the third one, and then it got weird because he was already like established. It was I don't know, it was weird. But well, they waited because he was so busy doing other shit. Oh, absolutely, very busy man, uh, movie wise. <laughs> and this, you know, I remember him, the big big one, Night Professor. And then after that point, he made tons of amazing comedies. And then he had a spot where he just made really bad movies. But everybody gets there. Mike Myers, he had a big old spot where his movies were just kind of booty. Uh, Adam Sandler had a couple of really bad ones. Jack and Jill. As well. Mike Myers hasn't come out of his bad movie stint. Yeah, he needs to just make another uh, Austin Powers. And He's we'll going to make happy. a fifth Shrek, so. Yeah, those are good. So, be fine. Katie. What did you think about Beverly Hills Cop? I love Beverly Hills Cop. I've loved it since I was a child. This movie is fucking fantastic. In fact, the theme song that is a majority of this fucking soundtrack was my ringtone for like 10 years, like the end of high school and most of college. It was just <laughs> like, it felt like 10 years, but for a handful of years, Axel F was for sure my ringtone. Um yeah, I love this movie. It's just Eddie Murphy is great. Judge Reinhold is great. Everybody just does their fucking job. Like they came to make a great movie and they did. Greg. This is actually my first time watching it. Oh, uh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Like I always say, you guys, like those 80s cliches, I just, I don't know. They all went over my head. And I just never got around to watching them at some point in my life. Um, it's funny. You can tell that his acting chops are not necessarily all the way there yet. No. And it goes to show just how big he was at the time for them to, for, I mean, financially speaking, this was obviously a blockbuster. Spoiler alert, I accidentally saw the numbers. But in a sense, it's, it, it's, it's solid. It's great. It's entertaining. But it's also not necessarily something that blows you away in terms of the action. But it, but it's obviously Eddie Murphy, so it's going to be absolutely funny, which it was. It almost feels like at certain points that he's just, you feel like he's doing a stand-up routine within his scenes, depending on which scenes you're watching. Just the way he's interacting with the the fellow his fellow characters on the screen. Um, but definitely a fun watch, definitely funny in it. In it, I feel like it had to warm up a bit 
Um, but once he got, actually got into Beverly Hills is when I feel like the film really picks up as far as the comedy. Um, you even kind of forget that it's it's actually rather light on the action aside from the opening yeah. opening scenes when he has that botched undercover. Uh, what what word do you want to give it? Uh, like a sale, but it, there's a it, bad guy named Sting. For it. Yeah, his, yeah, his undercover sale, his Sting, whatever you want to call it, until the very end when everything pops off. You just it's more about the investigation than just Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy. But it's fun. I enjoyed it. So, Greg, it's funny that you brought up the fact that his acting chops. It felt at some points like he was doing a stand-up because tons of scenes, him and Judge Reinhold just came up with lines. And a lot of the script, they didn't really have things for him because things were getting written and re rewrote. So Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold and a couple of the guys, they just got to say whatever they wanted. And so there were multiple takes of scenes. And there's one scene in particular where Eddie Murphy is making up a lie for his two new new cop friends when they were at the strip club. And he's like, these two cops saved my life. They're super cops. And, you know, they're the best in the world. And one of the cops, he actually is squeezing his, like the bridge of his nose and looking down because he was trying to not laugh and fuck it up because that was like the fourth or fifth take. And Eddie Murphy just came up with something just new instantly right then. And so he's trying not to fuck it up. And then... Uh, the other guy, Judge Reinhold, who's actually like squeezing his leg, pinching himself really hard so he wouldn't fuck it up. So this whole movie, there's just scenes where he would just come up with something new. And there's spots where the cameraman, you'll see it like kind of slightly shake because people just laugh. And they're like, God damn it, we can't use that because you laugh. I'm like, fuck, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, what, what you said, it makes tons of sense because he's a comedian. So he's constantly constantly trying to make a funnier joke every take it's an uh it's an interesting dynamic as a technically speaking buddy cop film because typically you have your comedic duo and they are the center of a body buddy cop film but obviously eddie murphy is the center of this film the center individual the maverick so the buddy dynamic is in a sense just the two cops that he eventually makes friends with and becomes partners with, but it's also them two by themselves. It's funny because the, the, the two cops by themselves kind of have that buddy comic buddy cop dynamic aside from Eddie Murphy, even being there with, with Taggart being the straight man and uh, Rosewood being the, uh, the the funny man. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Like, like you said, they're already doing a buddy cop thing. And then you just add like, I guess he's just a chaotic cop, like Axel, but he's, it's funny. He's chaotic. He's very chaotic, but he's like, I don't know, chaotic lawful. Like he knows what's good and he knows what's wrong, but he's like, uh, if me and Greg just like use that stolen car that we found a week ago, we can like sneak into this place. He's like, but you shouldn't be taking evidence. Yeah, but I stopped the bad guy. Yeah, but you stole evidence. Like, yeah, but I saved the day. <laughs> so, like, Axel's the most chaotic cop ever, and he would absolutely not have a job. He gets the job done. It's just things explode and break around him. He's, he's a terrible cop. <laughs> so, for the uninitiated, 
Beverly Hills Cop. It is about a Detroit police officer, Axel Foley, and he visits Beverly Hills to solve the murder of his best friend and all the madness that comes with that. So it's very much the fish out of water story. Hey, that guy's from this different place. We do things like this here. And he's like, well, that's stupid. And then teaches a couple of cops, detectives in California how to how to be a little bit better. So it's 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 a very fun one. Uh, it reminds reminded me of uh, Demolition Man. So John Spartan from the past goes to the future and, you know, all the cops just aren't prepared for someone rough. And so he has to teach them how things should be. So but this it's it's an amazing film. The music blew my mind. I forgot that the soundtrack, there's like two songs from Patti LaBelle and oh man, what was it? Uh, Stir It Up. I didn't know that was Patti LaBelle for a second. And I was like, shit, that's Patti LaBelle. It sounded so young. And I remember old Patti LaBelle, like my mom, that's like one of her favorite singers. And I was like, fuck, that was Patti LaBelle. It sounded like uh, Tina Turner for half a second. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, it's not Tina. Because it just kind of got a little higher. But I was like, oh, shit, that's Patti LaBelle. And then we get uh, Neutron Dance from the Pointer Sisters. And The Heat Is On. Yeah. And Heat Is On is a good-ass fucking There's song. There's another one, too, that plays while they're in the strip club. Oh, Nasty. Yeah. Nasty Girl. Yeah. I have and never heard that song before. It's a good-ass song. That song is fire. Oh, my God. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember from... Um, see, now it's, it just jumped out of my brain. In the second movie... Uh, damn it. I'll think about it. Because it's it's something close to Heat Is On, but it's a uh, who's the guy that did that song? I'm all right. Uh, Kenny. Kenny Loggins. Loggins. I want to say Kenny Loggins did a song for the second movie, and it's like the big one. Oh, uh, shake down, break down, you busted. Actually, that might be Bob Seger. Seger. <laughs> Hell, I don't know. It's I'll look it up right now. Some older white guy with a beard. I can tell you that. He sang the song. <laughs> so, oh, I thought you had it. You took a breath. So we'll get through this story. It it It's a story about a cop trying to save the day, y'all. And there's twists and turns. Not that many twists, really. Usually in a, in a cop movie, the, the chief would be a bad guy. And they'd have to shoot the chief. But this one, the chief's good. Kind of a dick. <laughs> but we'll get through this story. So we. Mm, George Michael. George Michael. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, and oh, Shakedown was Bob Seger in the hey. Silver Bullet Band. <clears throat> Beardy White got one point. <clears throat> Hell yeah. Too proud of that. <laughs> I, I knew it was a dude with a beard. I, did, I, knew it, I knew it wasn't Michael McDonald. I know his voice. <laughs> okay. So this movie starts with Axel Foley. He is doing a unauthorized sting operation. He's got a giant truck full of cigarettes different types and he's trying to sell it off to some bad guys and unfortunately i've seen this happen with a couple of sting operations in real life the one cop is trying his best to like sell bad stuff to a bad person so he can arrest him and then cops come up and they're like hey hey both of you you're under arrest and he's like god damn it and they can't have like a code word because that would just ruin everything and then i've seen a cop get arrested by cops and then get his ass kicked by the cops. He's like, motherfucker, I'm one of you. And they're like, shut up. And they beat him up. And he's like, 
<laughs> Give me your badge number, dickhead. I was trying to save the day. So this kind of happens. And the truck that Axel is in the back of drives off. And they actually had to add like sleigh, like sled slats to this gigantic truck so it could just like destroy anything in its path. This, that fucking truck was like hauling ass, breaking stuff. And it just drives through Detroit, the city, and just destroys so much stuff. And then, you know, <laughs> it's it's funny. Axel gets back to the department, and it, it seems like everyone knows he's a really good detective, but he likes to do things his own way. And his superior, uh, Inspector Todd, which was an actual cop, and apparently there was going to be some backstory that the inspector was going to be Axel's dad because they they put their guns in the same way, like in their back. They don't have it in a like holster. It was going to be more to the story that that was going to be his dad. And then the whole disappointed angle would have been like, oh, that's why you're so disappointed. He's like, just fire his ass. But he's like, I know you're good, but quit it. And he's like, sorry, dude. But they were like, eh, let's not do that because I don't know what age he's supposed to be. Like Axel, but I assume he's young, right? Yeah, he's a really young detective. So yeah. he'd be like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, but I don't know how much. Mid 20s, maybe. But I don't understand how much time you need to be a cop, especially in the 80s. I don't, I don't know. Becoming a Police cop. Police Academy is like five years? Or? No, no. It's like max two. Oh, turn up. Uh, but becoming a detective is harder than becoming a cop because you have to go through the academy and then there's additional stuff you have to do afterwards, which is why it's a big deal that he's a detective because it takes so long to like rank up to detective. Okay. So he's awesome, but he likes to do things his own way. He's a Jake Peralta. Yes, he is. But no, Jake's way better than (laughs) Axel's so much more chaotic than Jake. Jake actually is. Stays by the book a lot of the time. Hundred percent, Jake Peralta. Yeah, I mean, he—I don't think he ever references Beverly Hills Cop in the show, but he references Die Hard a lot. Yeah, because like Bruce Willis and Die Hard is his—that's yeah. his whole like. <laughs> that's who he wants to be. But I think it's really Axel Foley. I think that's who he's trying to be the whole time. Yeah. So he heads home, and the inspector tells him, "He's like, dude, you gotta change how you fucking operate, or I have to let you go." And that'd be a shame because you're great at what you do. But, dude, you are costing the the department money. And this cliche line of every inspector or chief says, he's like, the mayor is is riding up my ass. He's yelling at me. And he, he took a bite of my ass. And I don't got that much left back there. And then he's like walking out of the room. And Eddie, Eddie's like, yeah, this looks pretty good to me, sir. He's like, shut up. <laughs> so he heads home. And he sees that his apartment's been broken into. So he sneaks in and he pulls out his pistola. And it's his childhood friend, Mikey. Hey, Mikey's back. So we get a little bit of backstory with Axel and Mikey. And we see that Axel was a bad kid. He was a thief. And they used to just steal cars and drive around. And Mikey actually took the fall for the time where they stole a car and was just joyriding. And Mikey went to prison for him. So now we understand a little bit more why axel is the way he is because he's like i've been a bad guy and i understand how bad guys think so us doing this like the right way quotation mark won't get the job done we ha- if we do it like this it'll work but axel that's against the rules that's stupid <laughs> so i was like the second i heard that because i haven't seen this movie in fucking decades i was like oh that's why he's so like 
not correct at being a cop because he was a thief. I'm like, that makes more sense. So we see that Mikey was in Beverly Hills for a while, and he was a security guard <laughs> working for their ch- other friend, Jenny. And Mikey's like, yeah, man, I had a really good time in Beverly Hills, and I got these. And he's got some German Barabons. So I'm trying to... <sighs> It's hard to kind of describe Barabons. Is it kind of like um is it like a check that you can get the money later for? I've never really understood. No, bonds are just straight up money. Okay. So that page you just go to a bank and then you get that money out? Yeah, yeah kind of. Okay. It's like almost like a deed to something. Like, oh. But it's it it would have a specific amount of money. Like a bearer bond would have a specific worth like these were german bearer bonds they would have whatever the uh the rate is the 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 fuck is that called exchange exchange rate whatever the exchange rate is and however much that bearer bond is supposed to be worth in german money you would be able to exchange one of those for that much money okay cool it's like a like a a way to do have a larger bill because you wouldn't have a bearer bond note for like five dollars this is like thousands of dollars like here you go each one of them is thousands of dollars, which is why these are a fucking problem because they're counterfeit, most likely, and they're worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, basically. Like, Mikey just had a bag of, like, yeah. $100,000 in German money. Yeah, back in the 80s, which is a lot more. So Axel's kind of wondering how he got them, and Mikey Mikey doesn't really tell him, but he can kind of ascertain that, like, okay, his last job, he probably snatched them from somewhere crazy old mikey hopefully this this doesn't bite him in the ass so they're hanging out at the bar and they get drunk and they head back to axel's apartment and they get jumped and so axel gets knocked out so it's funny if you check the scene back axel gets knocked out but you don't see him for the rest of the scene and you don't see his legs you don't see him laying there because something happened and they did the scene without him and then they realized like fuck we gotta like do this again because he's not there but they couldn't do reshoots. So he just disappears when he gets hit. He was laying there. They showed him laying there. Yeah, I didn't. yeah they did. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. I saw him laying okay, there. Okay, well, there was a couple of scenes. I didn't see him. Once he gets, once they shoot him, once they shoot his buddy, you see him lying there. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about before. I thought he, there was a couple of really good seconds. I didn't see his ass. Well, before, they, they, they still have Mike standing up, so you wouldn't see him because he falls down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see him for a little bit. So they knock Axel out and then they kind of talk to Mikey about it. He's like, dude, now, you know, we got to do, we got to fight. We got to beat you up. You know, you took stuff from us and they knock him to the ground and they just shoot him in the head and they scoot off. So Axel, he talks to his superior and he wants to be on this case. He wants to figure this out because his best friend. And they say that, no, we're going to put somebody else on this because we I know how you operate. And plus, you're really close to this. So I think that's a like a, a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't even be able to be on that case because he's too close to it. And so his judgment would be clouded, absolutely clouded. So Axel tells his chief that he's going to take some vacation time. And they're like. No, you're going to do something bad. If you do something bad, you're fucking fired. He's like, I I have vacation time and I'm going to take it. And he's like, okay. 
So Axel takes his beat up Chevy Nova, blue and gray and white Chevy Nova, and drives to Beverly Hills, California. I did not calculate how far Detroit. Two days. Two day drive in his shitty Chevy Nova. I don't understand how he made it, uh, but they they didn't want to think about it because, boy, howdy, that car looked shitty. But, you know, when gas is like 10 cents, I guess you get really fucking far. (laughs) So the culture shock, that seems to be the big thing that they go for with this movie. He's from Detroit and Detroit is dirty and scary. And Beverly Hills is clean and beautiful. So many beautiful people. and Everything's all nice and shit. So uh, instantly he gets there and he finds his friend Jenny and she works at an art gallery. And she finds out about Mikey's ties to Victor Maitland. So he's the owner of the gallery. So instantly we find out why Axel is so good at what he does. So Eddie Murphy, he's able to change his voice just a little bit. And he's so quick. And so Axel gets that ability also. So he poses like a flower flower delivery man and just probably steals some flowers from somewhere or buys them. And he tells the lady up front to the office for Maitland that he needs to deliver these flowers to him. And she's like, oh, no, you just deliver them to me. He's like, no, 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 no. It's very important. I got to go up there and do this. I'm just going to do this real quick. And doesn't give her time to even think about what's happening. And he's already halfway up the stairs. So that's Axel's superpower. If you get him talking, he's either wasting time or he's already winning you over. So that's the even past the fighting and the shooting. If you let Axel talk, it's already over. <laughs> so he actually meets up with Maitland and he's trying to question him about Mikey. The killer is sitting in the office with him. And, you know, Victor Maitland, obviously the villain of this story. And they like lock eyes and it's very much that oh shit he knows a lot about mikey and then mr maitland presses a little panic button or just the lady downstairs is like hey that dude just like ran up there real quick and so like six bodyguards grab his ass and then instead of just like tossing him out into the street they throw him through a fucking window legit and he just flies their own window (laughs) yeah he, the door was right next to them. <laughs> he flies through it. He's on the ground. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> if I was Mr. Maitland, I'd be fucking pissed. Bro, you just cost my company like $2,000. You could have just opened the door, you dumb motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to shoot you later, you asshole. Yeah. So the second he hits the ground covered in glass and probably stabbed somewhere, we get some Beverly Hills cops and they tell him to put his hands up and he learns that he's getting arrested because he's got a gun on him and he's disturbing the peace. And he's like, I'm getting arrested for disturbing the peace. The motherfuckers threw me through a window. <laughs> and he's like, come with us, sir. And he's like, he, he can't get past that point that he got tossed through a window and he's getting arrested. I'd be loud too. I'm like, I'd be so pissed about it. So as he gets arrested, we see that Bogomil? Mm-hmm. Bogomil. Bogomil. So Lieutenant Bogomil, he actually talks to Axel and he's like, why didn't you tell anybody that you were a cop? And he's like, I don't know. I was getting my ass thrown through a window. It kind of <laughs> slowed me down. And, you know, it's funny. He didn't want to use his weight as a cop to just like curry favor. 
but later he'll like he's he's all about lying to get places but for some reason he didn't want to like say that he was a cop he probably didn't want to say it out loud in front of the bad guy place mm-hmm. so he's like no nah, i'm just a person don't i don't want them to know i'm a cop right now so lieutenant is like what you doing here buddy and he's like i've talked to your superior and he's he probably thinks you're here for some type of murder situation you're trying to figure it out he's like nope i'm here on vacation they're like you know if we catch you like investigating anything you you know you're in trouble right and he's like i'm here for vacation I'm like okay so the lieutenant he assigned sergeant john taggart and detective billy rosewood to follow axel around i forgot this fun fact the original axel foley was going to be sylvester sylvester stallone oh i'm glad they didn't go with that yeah um i forgot why he dipped out of it but he did the movie cobra and he used some ideas that he wanted to change with this movie and put it into cobra so yeah there was a a big list of names but they went with eddie murphy and it was good so it's funny instantly axel feels that he's getting followed by the cops and so now i i don't know if greg remembers this or if he was with us when this happened but we put a plantain in a tailpipe of a car. No. That's so awful. You don't remember that, Greg? I was not around for that. Okay, Greg was not there. Because I remember seeing Axel F as we were doing this. <laughs> like, boop, 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 boop. And I was like, man, let's go fuck this car up. So Axel sends down late, what, late supper? Mm-hmm. That's what the word they use. Late supper to the, to the boys in the car. And... It's funny, Rosewood, he's like so like trusting and, and nice. <laughs> he's like, ooh. Naive is the word you're looking for. Yes. He's like, ooh, food. And he's already eating and stuff. And so Axel puts what three bananas in the tailpipe? Yeah. At least two. Three. Yeah. Three in the tailpipe. And boy, howdy, if you've never seen a car with tailpipe covered, yeah, the car just can't breathe. And so it hitches a couple times and just dies and then Axel and his friend drive off to check out the warehouse. So uh, at this point in the movie, Axel is just checking out spots that Victor Maitland owns and he's just sneaking into places and so in the warehouse, yeah, he finds that a lot of the crates that Maitland has hasn't gone through customs and that's probably because there's something something fishy about it and he sees people taking bear bonds out and putting them away and then shipping the the thing or putting the thing through customs and crates full of coffee grounds and so being that he's from detroit you would think the beverly hills cops would know a little bit more about drugs but not at this time yeah but detroit he's like i've seen this before so at this point axel actually wants to be friends with billy and taggart he he likes them. They're cops. They're on both on the same side. So he's not trying to be like a super dick to him, but he's like, I just needed some time by myself. So that's why I like, you know, put bananas in your tailpipe. <laughs> and so they go to a strip club for a while. And <laughs> there's this whole line about like, we're at a strip club. It's fine if your dick gets hard. You know, Tag, it's, he's not going to tell if his dick gets hard because, you know, he's got to be mad about it. But Billy, it's all right. <laughs> so while they're at the strip club, Axel feels his spidey sense going off, and he actually sees two guys come into the strip club with giant trench coats on, and he's like, hey, man, it's like hot as fuck out here. 
why are those guys wearing trench coats? He's like, something's about to go down. Hey, Taggart, can you can you just check that guy at the bar? I'm going to go over to this dude. So Axel plays like he's drunk. And he's like, hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, I know you. And gets close enough to grab the shotgun from this guy. Judo flips his ass and he just holds the shotgun in his face. And so they successfully stopped a robbery before it went down. I don't know why you would rob a strip club. I get there's a lot of ones and fives there, but it's so gigantic. You couldn't hold it down with just two people. Like, I don't know. It seemed kind of dumb. And somebody might have a gun on them and you can't cover everybody. But also there's a lot of bouncers too. Strip yeah. Clubs are not just like, yeah, here's a room full of random people and then a bunch of girls getting naked and not a single person there to stop them. Like there's, there would be plenty of bouncers that would roll in hella quick. Yeah, it was a really silly plan, but hey, you know. Maybe in Beverly Hills they have less because the clientele is rich and That's true. The swanky ones are like, oh, nothing. So there'd be a lot here. more there'd be a lot more money than just a bunch of ones in that strip club because yeah. it's Beverly Hills. There'd yeah. be a lot of people with hundreds. Oh, there's dads probably dropping 20s in those G-strings. Oh, there's people probably dropping hundreds in those G-strings. That. There's this isn't I'm not talking LA or Pasadena like this is Beverly Hills, where the richest of rich people lived in the 1980s before Silicon Valley, like, ousted them. (laughs) (laughs) Right about that. So, also at the strip club, Axel talks to the guys about the coffee grounds, and he's like, that's what you use when you're packing drugs. It covers the scent from the police dogs. So, this warehouse, they're probably shipping drugs around, and probably a ton more things. Because if you're doing drugs, or moving drugs around, it's probably guns. There's probably counterfeit things, you know, it's might as well do everything else. If you're shipping drugs around, that's like the worst thing you can get caught with. <laughs> so at this point, Axel kind of pokes at Maitland again. He goes to a country club and he actually like beats the shit out of Zach. And he doesn't know yet, but Zach's the one that killed his best friend. And Maitland gets him like snatched up again. So at this point, the police chief. So at some point, I knew a police chief was going to pop out because you got to have someone yelling at the lieutenant and the lieutenant yells at the sergeant. and The sergeant yells at the detective. So this is how the line of yelling works. So police chief Hubbard, he learns that Axel, he's been like doing things not by the book. So it's funny. We're watching this and we're like, oh, Axel's trying to get the, the job done. But in real life, he's not doing this right you know it's very much that innocent to proven guilty you can't just be like katie did this i know she did it so i'm just gonna try to bust her and like you got the evidence she fucking did it man i know she did like we need that evidence homie like <laughs> just in case you know you know katie's not gonna be like nah i did it no one says that shit in real life well some actually sometimes they do people are stupid so at this point the police chief he orders that axel is gonna get escorted escorted out of town like no you're causing too many issues because maitland he's cool we think he's fine so you need to get out of here so axel actually convinces billy to like pick up jenny and take her with them to the warehouse and so because another shipment's due to arrive and then they can confirm what's going down so axel and jenny they go to the warehouse and they find bags of cocaine inside of a crate so they're like hooray we did it we figured it out so before axel can like get the evidence to billy uh, maitland and his cronies they they arrive and jenny gets snatched up and 
leaves Axel to be killed. So Zach finally, the bad guy, the second in command, tells Axel that like I killed Mikey. And he's like, oh shit. So now, you know, we get, now we're gonna get that vengeance that's very much deserved. So Billy like rescues Axel and then they scoot off. So Taggart tracks Axel and Billy to Maitland's estate. And the tracking system that they used was kind of based off of like GPS, but like a couple more years needed to go by. So it was like a very early form of like GPS. That's what they were going for. I thought that was really cool. So Taggart tracks the boys down to the estate and then he joins them in their efforts to rescue Jenny and take out Maitland. And so they, it's a typical 80s gunfight, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and so people are getting lit up and dying and stuff. Zach, he gets his ass lit up. Hooray! Axel takes a shot in his right shoulder from Maitland and he actually scoots off and with Bogomil, so the lieutenant pops up, and Axel shoots Maitland like at least seven times, and Bogomil shoots at least seven times. They light this man up. That's super overkill in real life. So Jenny gets rescued. Hooray! At this point, the police chief is like, okay, so I know you guys, he instantly solves what's happening here. He's like, you came here, figure this, do this, do that. Did this all wrong, and this everything's ruined. And Bogomil's like, no. And so he comes up with a story that like doesn't discredit the Beverly Hills Police Department, and figures out everything is perfect. And Axel was just here on vacation. He got caught up in a situation that he had no no standing in. And the police chief's like, okay, well, be sure to write this all down in your report for tomorrow and he's like we'll do sir <laughs> so axel tells bogomil the lieutenant he's like hey can you talk to my like superior back in detroit because i'm probably gonna get fired for being here he's like yeah I'll, I'll talk to him uh he does say real quick before he can even say yes he's like hey man if i get fired i could just stay here and open up a you know private investigating shop in beverly hills and he's like no i don't want you here you just break things all the time. <laughs> so Taggart and Billy, they meet up with Axel as he's checking out of this very expensive hotel. And they actually were sent to make sure he leaves town. But then he gets them to like have like a farewell drink. And he's like, yeah, we can do that. And then freeze frame. Uh, the director did not want to do a freeze frame, but some higher ups, they were like, nah, do a freeze frame. They're like, That's, it looks so hokey. And that is Beverly Hills Cop. So, Katie, who was your favorite character in Beverly Hills Cop? I really liked Sergeant Taggart. He was just the right amount of aware older cop. Like, he knew what was going on. And he could see Axel's potential, like, from their first meeting. And was still trying to follow the rules. While at the same time being present enough in the situation to be like okay now it's time to break the rules now we have to do so like we have to help we have to do this thing um and i think he was not quite like a father figure in their little three threesome group of cops but 
kind of like the older, like, trust me, I know how to deal with this. He was definitely that to Judge Reinhold. He was the oh, father yeah. figure, like older cop mentor person. But he helped kind of rein in Axel a little bit in that him and Axel were able to have like real true cop conversations like about what was happening while Billy was just like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think that really helped bring in and rein in a little bit of Eddie Murphy's and Judge Reinhold's just like kookiness and silliness throughout the film. Greg. For me, it is definitely Billy Rosewood. He has this great combination of naivete and dopiness that is just so typically frustrating for the straight men of any <laughs> type of dynamic like we have in this film or not even necessarily buddy cop, but just any sort of comedic duo period. It's just the things that he says that just have absolutely nothing to do with anything like we're they're sitting in the car doing the stakeout and he wants to talk about the amount of red meat you have in your system at 50 years old by the time you're 50 years old or just the decisions that he makes in anything that he does <laughs> it's just it's in and, and what makes it great is is not just what that type of role says but how the straight man reacts to it it's the eye rolls. It's the I'm gonna hurt you if you don't shut <laughs> up type of news. Like, what are you doing? It's just it just it makes for a great dynamic when you have that funny man saying just the stupidest unnecessary stuff. And he was and he, he has the perfect face for it too, for some reason. Like he just <laughs> he, has, he has the face of a complete dope. So he he wears the 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 funny man role very, very well. So I'm actually going with the the trio of cops together, though Axel's like a little bit higher. Like I said, I have always watched the second one when they're already instantly friends because he comes back to Beverly Hills, obviously, because Bridget Nielsen's like robbing banks and places like they're just robbing every place in Beverly Hills. But it, I thought it, I thought it was weird that he just was there and they're like, Axel, and they're like pumped and it makes it easier for them to like get to the silly shit. But yeah, it, it's cool to see their relationship happen in this movie but they're great uh taggart and rosewood they're like a married couple and actually the director that's what he wanted from them with their relationship there's a scene where rosewood's talking about like the average man at 50 will have like five pounds of undigested red meat in their colon and he's like what what does that have to do anything he's like well you eat a lot of red meat i'm just concerned for you yeah i'm concerned <laughs> for you and it's just his face he's like what what? it's like Bert and Ernie there's just he's just talking he's like oh my god be quiet <laughs> and it's a great relationship so yeah the the boys they're great so Getty who's your least favorite character I don't remember his actual name in this movie but I said Mike from Breaking Bad oh Zach Zach um that guy fucking sucked <laughs> <laughs> he was a cold-blooded killer from the jump and he was just the most pretentious, assholey, like right hand man to the actual criminal mastermind of the whole thing. And he thought his shit didn't sink. He thought he was better than everybody because he was right next to the guy in charge. But guess what? It didn't fucking matter. Sorry, bro. <laughs> you, you got yours in the end. 
still dead on a bathroom floor. So <laughs> fuck that guy. Greg. Detective Foster. Oh. Who was one half of the second cop duo. Oh, God. Yeah. Beverly Hill precinct. Ugh, great fro. Great hair. Right. Other than that. <laughs> yeah, his hair was fire. His hair was on point. But man, just. Just that arrogance about him. And his and it, he's both arrogant but also extremely corny at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like it really resonated. It, I really identified with uh with Axel completely mocking his voice. And not because it's not 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 necessarily because of the way Axel put it, like basically implying like you're black, you know, you're 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 not talking in a way that's should be natural for you. Not even because of that, just the way he carried himself, the way he just thought he thought he was so funny with the whole banana glasses deal. Just ugh. I just I wanted him to fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's funny you bring that up, Greg, because boy howdy, Detroit's cops that thought they were so cute with their jokes. He's like, hey Axel. Yeah. You got a cigarette? Like I almost I almost said every single cop except for Axel at some point. That's that, that's my least favorite. People that think they got a funny fucking joke in the back of their head. And I'm like, that was whack as shit. Like, is that all you got? <laughs> you gotta smoke? Oh man, I bet it took you all day to figure that out. And then the cops with the banana glasses. I'm like, that's so did you go somewhere and get this? No, they ate a banana and then like taped it to a pair of glasses. <laughs> That's even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> they use office supplies to make banana glasses. So he's eating his banana. He's like, hey, he tricked us out. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, purchasing it or taking the time to make it. Taking the time to make it because it wasn't even that good of a joke. The worst part of it was when he fucking put it in the po- the front pocket of the dude's shirt or of his shirt. Oh, if he touched me, that's a fight. <laughs> fight on sight. I don't like that. Don't touch me. <laughs> but no, it, it it's corny. Corny cops, man. Corny cops are corny. <laughs> so let's do seven word synopsis. So I only have one. Uh Axel. Ooh. Yeah. Axel is a great cop, but chaotic. Like I said, in DD terms, I want to say chaotic, lawful. He's not neutral. He doesn't he cares about good people winning. But boy howdy, if he has a blow up a building. To stop the bad guy, he'll fucking do it. He does not care. Actually, I don't know if he does care because he's usually getting caught up in stuff while the building blows up. Like he was at the back of that truck. He didn't want Detroit to get destroyed. He was just hanging off the back of the truck trying not to die. But it was because of him that the truck was doing that. So, But he's he's very chaotic. Um, yeah. Katie. Axel Undercover is Eddie overacting insanity. <laughs> Um, at the beginning, when he is trying to sell cigarettes to the bad guys, it is just like the most obnoxious version <laughs> of Eddie Murphy that exists. And he's like trying to fit in with like to pretend that he's, you know, shady or whatever. And he's got this like, I don't know, bravado in him that just is like, bro stop it's so over the top like (laughs) it's obnoxiously over the top and i get it like if it was a if it was like a saturday night live skit and he's playing a character that's meant to be that which i guess this kind of was that 
But for a movie, it was just like, it was so much. It was so much right at the beginning. Well, it's, it's, you decide if he's overacting as an actual actor or his, he's overacting in character undercover. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, I think it was specifically in that character undercover because as soon as he ends up back in his precinct, he's like normal fucking person. Talking like a normal person. His interactions and mannerisms are completely normal. But it's, it's, it's weird. It's funny you say that. It's just one of his like, voices because eddie murphy has a couple yeah. of voices of hey man hey you quit that like that's that's one of his it at some point in a movie he's gonna make that yeah man he's gonna do that voice because it's just yeah it's probably one of, look, look, multiple voices that he used in this film he's used in his stand-up yeah yeah so it's like yeah the second he did that voice i'm like yeah that's probably one of his go-to just tones when he wants yeah. to act like someone else all right and then beverly hills neighbors didn't care about gunfire they really fucking didn't. Because they lit that house the fuck up and nobody gave a fuck. <laughs> the Probably the windows. They were like cracked. Peeking through looking. the windows. Oh shit. They fight. And my last one. Art dealerships are always a laundering front. <laughs> because weird stuff's everywhere. So no one questions. Like, oh, that's weird. Okay. And you just move on. Because art is not worth millions of dollars. Yeah, it's the right person. Nope. (laughs) Nope, it's all bullshit. You threw black paint at a canvas and you sold that shit for a million dollars. There's probably a kilo of cocaine attached to the back of that fucking picture. (laughs) Get that shit out of here. Like, you're lying. I feel love when I look at this. I mean, nose is all white. Nose is all white. (laughs) Eyes are fucked up. Yeah, I bet you feel love. Yeah. It's because of the fucking pound of heroin in the back. Like, get out of here with that shit. (laughs) Greg, what can't cops get away with, man? And it's the fucking 80s, too, man. You're right. <laughs> they were even wilder. When they rolled up on Axel when he got thrown through that window and they fucking drove on the sidewalk, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> they just watched a man go through a window. They're like, why'd he throw himself through that window? And they just rolled up on the curb. <laughs> yeah, they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they, they saw him fly through and they were like, yeah, you're disturbing the peace. I'm like, how the fuck did I right? do that? Me? <laughs> what? Yeah. That's so dumb. That's such a plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> if someone's throwing themselves through a window, they wouldn't throw like ass first through a window. No one's flying through ass first if they're throwing themselves out. But of also, like you can't throw yourself through a window. Like the the glass that is on those bottom floor windows, you can't throw yourself through. This shit's like an inch thick. Yeah, you have to get chunked by it. Six men <laughs> to go through. It'd have to be already there. broken in stunt glass. Oh, it's, sure. <laughs> oh, it's probably got stress on it. A lot of those glass things, if you bend it the right way, it just explodes. You got any more, Greg? Oh, yeah. How's it? Okay. So, Greg, Greg peeped at it, but this movie came out December 5th, 1984. It's a. I would not expect this to be a Christmas release. Yes. Weird. I, I kind of get it. Early December is not- fine. And well, still like a Christmas release. That's weird. Yeah, but mid December, like oh, should have been a, like a July release. Yeah, should have came out Thanksgiving. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But they missed it by like a week. But spoilers, it, it doesn't fucking matter. Oh yeah. So, what do you think the budget is, Katie? Ten million dollars. Not a bad guess. Thirteen million. So you know, a couple of sa- scene changes. Uh, there were some spots that they weren't actually in Beverly Hills. I think they went to Pasadena. Probably, yeah. To do some scenes. 
the police department in Beverly Hills did not want them recording on the inside. So they made the police department on the inside. And yep. that set was used again for War Games with Matthew Broderick. That yep. was, so that was the NORAD computer room. Because it looked very high tech in there. I was like... Yeah, high tech for I think, early I think, 80s. I think I said something. I was like, damn, is that what that fucking looks like in there in the 80s? That looks legit. <laughs> it's so high tech and shit. Yeah, it'd be so much calmer now that everything is like on Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and like oh, yeah. laptops. Like... <laughs> It'd be so much more chill and calm in there. Yeah, my typical idea of a stereotypical police department, well, it depends on if it's in like Miami or LA, but it's probably hot as balls and like the chief is like sweating and there's a fan going and there's at least three bad guys like handcuffed to the wall and they're like <laughs> yelling. That's what I get from movies about police stations. <laughs> so like when they when Axel was like walk through it i'm like it's so quiet and clean like it's supposed to be dirty and like horrible that's what a police station is supposed well, to the be. one in detroit was dirty and gross so. yeah it, it, the one be... in brooklyn 99 is kind of dirty and gross yeah but and they're on the third well they're their room they're even on like a different floor because they're detectives so brooklyn so i just assume everything's got the kind of gross gr- gross ish look to it everything's dirty because it's new york yeah they had to have done something with the camera lens because it just Detroit, the the lighting, probably the lighting, it just looked darker in that police station. But the L.A. one was super duper bright. It's the way that they they purposely did costuming and lighting. In yeah. There. Like if you notice, all of the cops in Detroit are in browns and like, yeah, like earth tones. Yeah, They're all, all the wearing colors. like browns and greens and shit. And the cops in L.A. are not as strict to that yeah stuff. it was yeah i just that was the one thing that got to me i was like it's so goddamn bright in this police station like jesus again, honestly police stations are funded by the area in which they serve yeah pretty much like education kind of so yeah <laughs> so what do you think the box office was katie uh i said 100 million 10 times as budget was my guess so that 10 times just triple that Three hundred and sixteen million dollars. God damn! This movie did great. It it just every it just worked, and it was first place in the box office. It made fifteen million dollars in its first five days of release. God damn! And it was in like two thousand theaters by the twenty first of December, so it stayed number one for thirteen consecutive weeks <laughs> three months yeah Shit. and let me see adjusted for inflation it's the third highest grossing r-rated film of all time behind the exorcist and the godfather so that's incredible i'm surprised uh deadpool's not up there yeah so for two decades beverly hills cop would hold the record for having the highest domestic gross for r-rated film until 2003 when the matrix reloaded took over and honestly if you get past like a deck a decade or 15 years there should be a movie that just orbits your movie even though it could be the best movie ever it's just something is going to beat your movie you know if you told me Endgame, a, a comic book movie if and when i was like 10 years old a comic book movie would make a billion dollars like that's crazy like i love captain america not gonna make a billion dollars that's stupid you're stupid <laughs> kid me would call you stupid you know 
Uh, but the response, people love this movie. It's like it's Eddie Murphy doing what he does best, being a silly, fast talking like underdog. And, and they actually love the what the dichotomy is that the word I'm going for of just him being he was like the underdog this whole movie, and he's just dealing with rich assholes and he's trying to get over on them. And I it's it's fun. I really like this. And so the second one is it's funny. The second one review wise did better than this movie but not as good financially which is weird and the third one was a commercial failure and i think because they waited seven years and i think that was an issue uh sometimes you need to strike when the iron is hot with movies if you wait too long then people just like don't care anymore uh just like with anchorman anchorman 2 when he waited more than 10 years to do the second one that's why you make like seven dollars in a handshake in the theaters so does anybody have anything else to say about Beverly Hills Cop? Did we mention that he received his car bananas from Damon Wayans? No, yes. we did not. Thank you for bringing that up, Greg. This was Damon Wayans' his, like first on-screen like, debut. This is the first thing he was in. And I want to say very soon after this, Mo Money had to have come out because he was a crony with Marlon in that movie. And then, no, I think I'm going to get you, sucker. And then Mo Money. Jesus. And I, there's a couple of Damon Wayans movies when he was super young. And then Blank Man, which we need to review for like Superhero Month. I want to do Blank Man so bad. Uh, I love that fucking movie. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really cool seeing him. I was like, who is that lanky ass dude? I'm like, oh, that's Damon Wayans. I'm like, oh, shit. Credit <laughs> as Banana Man. Yeah, Banana Man. <laughs> I, I forget that he is tall as shit. Yeah. Or Eddie is just kind of small. Uh, a little bit of both. Eddie Murphy's not super tall, but other guy is also yeah, Damon Damon Wayans. Wayans is tall. And I think it's just because he was he's so not slim. Super, he's not like ridiculously tall, but he's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah. I think like it was that. just because he was slim. It just, he seems so fucking tall. So what you got, Katie? I saw you writing something down. I did. With inflation, Deadpool has beat it out for R-rated movies. Oh, cool. By, by like $70 million. Yeah. But hey, it should get beaten at some point. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Deadpool 3 will beat that out too. Oh, absolutely. They're promising to have uh, Logan in it. So Yeah. If Beverly Hills Cop is still beating your movie, your movie sucks. Actually, Logan <laughs> might be winning this because I didn't even think about that movie. Yeah. Oh, that's not fair. Well, Logan if it's has a comic so much... movie, it's probably beating anything. So well, maybe. With that, that is the end of this episode so if you have any other cool fun facts about Eddie murphy or beverly hills cop or why he should probably be fired from the force for being absurd you can tweet us at alan tampon we have an email it is uh alan town presents at gmail.com we have a facebook at alan town presents so i'm actually i didn't realize i'd be this pumped about eddie murphy month there are tons of movies that i've absolutely enjoyed and young eddie murphy makes me like really happy there was a lot of really solid movies uh i love 48 hours but it's another buddy cop film and he's actually kind of a bad guy and he becomes good in that movie but 40 hours is fucking funny he's hilarious in that movie but uh we have a couple more picks so this month it's gonna be great so uh like always thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week with another eddie murphy movie okay bye guys bye oh 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 Yeah. Heaters on.
next time I come to Texas, I'm gonna put a banana in D Pal's tailpipe. I'm gonna sing that shit. Um, <laughs> heading over to his place. I hear that song and I can't help but think of Peter Griffin. Yep. That's so fucked up. <laughs> and another. <laughs>